the word of our Lord from the Gospel of Luke. Now when one of those who sat at the table with Christ heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Christ said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. First said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, I must go and see it. I ask that you have me excused. And then another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I am going to test them. I ask that you have me also excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. So the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. And still there is plenty of room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste of my supper. And so great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, His wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all those see it and begin to mock him saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. And so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for even the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. A very bold passage to begin the new year, I know. You're probably thinking, good grief, what have we gotten ourselves into? This morning. It's a, a time of new beginnings. Everyone knows it. The two million folks who gathered at Times Square last night knew it. It's a new year, new beginning. And as the clock struck zero, as 12 o'clock was rung in at midnight, everyone shouted to one another, Happy New Year. We look forward to New Year's because we have a new beginning before us, a new opportunity before us. Everyone knows it. The church around the world knows that it's a time of new beginnings. We've just ended the season of Advent. You'll notice we still have our Advent wreath, but the Advent candles have been extinguished. Only the Christ candle, which we lit on Christmas Eve, remains. For our Advent has ended. 
The beginning of a new church year has begun. We look forward to the great day of Epiphany just a few days from now. John, I think it's the seventh day of Christmas right now. We've got just five more. On Epiphany, January the 6th, we celebrate the visit of the Magi. Notice that visit. It, it of course, means that Christ is not just a, a Jewish Messiah. He is the Redeemer of all mankind, the whole world's Savior. And all of the world represented by those Magi, those Gentiles, are invited to come to the Christ child for life. But notice also that the Magi is about a journey. They began their journey seeing a star far off. They began a journey searching the scriptures, looking to the prophecies, trying to figure out when this one who is to be born king of the Jews would indeed come. And so their visit to the Christ child began with a journey. A new year is much like a journey. Just as discipleship is considered a journey. There's a term in the scriptures that is highly significant for the call of discipleship. And that term is walk. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God invites us to walk before Him. And not just to walk before Him, but also as His people to walk with Him. We are called by Paul, the Apostle, to walk in the Spirit as we follow where Jesus leads. And that journey on which we find ourselves in this new year, in this new beginning, in this new opportunity, as we hear the voice of Jesus calling us to follow Him, that journey is taking us toward a kingdom. A kingdom not of this world, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And even now as we wait and as we walk and as we journey toward that kingdom, following Christ as He leads us, walking in the Spirit as He gives us life through Christ. We pray even now, Thy kingdom come, Lord, Thy will be done on earth just as it's done in heaven. With a new beginning before us, we ought to begin thinking about the end. You know, that term end is kind of a, a weird word. When we talk about the end of creation, normally we think of annihilation. Admit it, you're thinking fires, brimstone, you're thinking of things being destroyed. But an end is, is about a purpose or a goal, a direction, an aim. When we have a new beginning before us, we ought to begin thinking about the end. Where are we going? How are we going to get there? After all, we want to end well. That's the funny thing about New Year's resolutions. Typically, they're about things you wish to accomplish by December 31st at midnight again. They're, they're always... Almost always. You can probably come up with some that, that aren't about that end goal. But they're, they're almost always about the end. They're, they're about what is intended to be accomplished. Rarely do you say, you know what, as a New Year's resolution, I would like to read my Bible on January 1st. Just get out your Bible and begin reading. 
It's done. Typically, they are about end games, where we're headed, how we're going to get there. Because we want to end well. We want to reach our desired end, and we want to reach it well. We all want to reach the end well. This is a natural, universal human longing that we have. It's why the older we get, the more we tend to discuss the past and our memories. You ever thought about that? Why is grandma always talking about when she was, you know, a little girl? Often it is because the past is reality. The past has really happened. And the past is something that as we reflect upon, we want confirmation for. We want our lives to have been valid, to have been meaningful, to have borne significance as we near the end of them. And so it's in, in the course of conversations in, uh, concerning memories. It's in the course of, of talking about the past that we make sure that we're on the right direction to end well. Ending well is helped by beginning well. You want to draw a straight line, that first, first couple of eighths of an inch is pretty important or else you're going to get way off. You want to draw a perfect circle? Drawing a perfect circle is difficult. I remember being in drafting classes in high school. I was planning on being an architect. I wasn't going to be a pastor. I was going to be an architect. I, you know, It wasn't that I was running from a calling. I hadn't been called yet. But I was planning on being an architect. And so I was taking some drafting courses. And in those drafting courses, one of the things we learned to do one of the things was to be able to look at a line and tell exactly how long it was, down to a 32nd of an inch. Another thing was we learned to draw a perfect circle by, by holding the pencil just so and kind of pivoting on our thumbnail. And after quite a number of attempts, I finally figured out how to do it pretty well. I couldn't do it now, I'm pretty sure. But to end well, to, to end up with a perfect circle... You've got to begin well. If you, get, if you get started too flat at first, your circle's not going to look right. To draw a clear star, I remember being a kid and drawing a star. You know, if you got that first angle off, man, the whole star was going to be a disaster. And so you get the eraser out and erase and have the, 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 the pink and gray fuzz all over the place. And you'd be thinning out your paper trying to get that star just right. Because in order to end well, it helps to begin well. Those first pieces that we begin to put together in the beginning will determine how well we're able to end oftentimes. You want to end a semester with an A? You'd better start off with A's. Some of you know quite well, you start off with a couple of D's, the A is not even in the cards. It's not happening. You can finish the semester out with all A's and the best you're going to get to B. Maybe a B plus, but Ending well is often helped by beginning well. The importance of childhood development as we go through grammar school, we're putting together words and how they fit together to form proper sentences. We learn to obey. The earlier on we learn to obey, the better off we are at obedience later on in life. The more manners that we have instilled in us as a child, manners that my parents instilled in me, I still say thank you ma'am and and, and no sir, and, and, and all those sorts of things. I try to remember to open the doors for the ladies. Not often enough, maybe, but sorry, Lindsay. But I try. It's 
particularly when we have an occasion to go on dates. I'm running around the car because normally I'm opening the door for the kids. And, and I'm like, oh, don't touch that door. And I try to run around it. But those things that we, that our parents, our teachers, our mentors, our pastors, early on in life try to instill in us. It's because if we're going to end well, it helps to begin well. And so as we begin this new year and as we reflect upon the scriptures, particularly here in the Gospel of Luke, I want to offer to you just a few quick suggestions about how to end well, reaching the end well. Because after all, it is the first day of the year, but what we've really got in our minds is what we're going to be like on that very last day of this coming year. The first thing is very simple. Make a decision. We often make New Year's resolutions. We decide what is it that we're wanting to do. What is it we're wanting to accomplish? Where are we wanting to be in a year's time? How many books are we wanting to read? All those things involve making a decision. You've got to decide. What is the end game? Where are you headed? Determine the direction you're going. Life is filled with decisions. What are we going to eat for supper? Where are we going to go for vacation? Who am I going to marry? Who am I not going to marry? Those decisions have to be made. Discipleship begins with a decision. It's, it's easy to kind of poo-poo the idea of making a decision for Christ, but you find it all throughout the Gospels. Jesus invades people's lives. He intrudes on them. He imposes himself, and he says two simple words, follow me. And how we answer those two simple words will determine where we're headed in life. When I was a kid, answering those words of Jesus, follow me, began to change the course of my everything. Make a decision. Decide where you're headed. Determine the direction you're going. And perhaps if needed, change it. Maybe you look at your life and... Typically at the beginning of a new year, it's a good time to look and reflect and think, wow, I really need to shape up. I need to make some changes. Now's a good time. Make a decision. Figure out what it is, where it is you want to be in Jesus a year from now. Because it won't just happen. It doesn't happen by magic. It doesn't happen... Naturally, make a decision. Second piece of advice that we find in the scriptures is count the cost. Jesus gives us two, two examples, two illustrations. He begins talking first about the builder of a tower. You know, what knucklehead is going to go and start building a tower and then realize halfway into the tower that, oh, he doesn't have enough to build the tower. Count the cost. Consider what it's going to take. And consider, do you have what it takes or can you get what it's going to take? He mentions also the king going into battle. He ought to think about the fact that he's got 10,000 men and he's going up against an army with 20,000 men. Maybe his 10,000 are stronger. Maybe his... 
10,000 are better equipped or more prepared. That's fine. To be outnumbered is not a bad thing. But we must always count the cost. Understand what you're getting yourself into. God invites us to Himself. Jesus invites us to be His disciples by saying, follow me. But He invites us to follow, to come with eyes wide open. And so He tells those crowds who are following Him, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross and follow me. In fact, if you want to be my disciple, your love for me had better make, better make all the other loves of your life look like hatred. You want to follow me and be my disciple? Hate your father and your mother. Hate your wife and your children. Hate even your very own life. Because following Jesus costs everything. If you haven't read Dietrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship, you ought to add that to the list that you're making at the beginning of the year of the books you're going to read this year. Fantastic book. (coughs) Count the cost. Otherwise, you'll look like a fool in the end. And not only that, damage will be done that cannot simply be undone. Specifically, damage toward others. There were a lot of mentors in my life that gave a fantastic example of what following Jesus looked like. And then there were some pretty rough examples in my life as well. People who said, I'll follow Jesus wherever He leads me. I'll do whatever He calls me to do. Whose faith became shipwrecked. Seeing them turn away from Christ did damage to me. Not irreparable damage, not damage I couldn't man up and get past. But we all to all count the cost. Because the cost is not low. It's not cheap. Following Jesus is not a cheap and easy thing. Because in the end, it will demand everything of us. All that we have and all that we are. Third piece of advice I want to offer from you to you from the scriptures is make no excuses. Our passage began with Jesus telling the story of a of a man who was throwing a party, a, a, a dinner party, and he had invited guests. And all these guests had said, "Oh yeah, you know, I'll be there. I'll plan on it. I got nothing else going on. Yeah, my schedule's clear. I'll make it." One by one, however, those guests began to make excuses. Oh, you know, I actually, I forgot. Something suddenly came up. Oh, I forgot of this important thing that I had going on in life. We make excuses for everything. Especially our paltry faith in and obedience to Christ. We make excuses that are... I mean, abjectly laughable sometimes.
may we at the end of this year not be found scrambling for excuses scrambling for explanations as to why we aren't where we ought to be, why we aren't as close to Jesus as we ought to be, why we aren't as following Him as faithfully and obediently as we ought to be. Having made our decisions, having counted the cost of those decisions, let no excuses crop up. I'm telling you, we could make an excuse for every responsibility we have in life if we wanted some things we actually prioritize high enough that we won't make excuses most of us won't make excuses on Monday morning about getting to work typically because we know if we don't work we don't eat But we'll make excuses for quite a number of things, quite a number of highly important things, chief among them being our faith in Jesus, our obedience to Him. He invites us, come, follow me. We're afforded the opportunity of deciding, are we going to get up and go? And if so, what's that going to cost us? And if so, along the way, may we never be found thinking about how we could get out of this commitment we've made. Because my fourth piece of advice, third piece of advice, fourth piece of advice? Oh, I got here. Ah, skipped one. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, congregation. Make no excuses was going to be three. Four is don't ever quit. Jesus ends the passage by saying salt is a fantastic thing. We love salt. Salt that's lost its saltiness, that's lost its flavor, it's purposeless. If we quit, if we quit along the journey, then we would have wasted the advances we've made up to this point. There's always the opportunity to get back up again if you fall down. What you can't do is quit. Don't stop. Don't surrender. Don't ever quit. In pursuit of Jesus, as He calls us to follow Him, we ought to pursue Him in hot pursuit, never considering quitting. Any resolution that we make about this new year, it's a good thing to keep in mind. Your resolution might be to, to, to exercise daily and you get into mid-February and you realize, wow, I've only exercised like, exercised like eight days in the, the 40 days that have passed. This is terrible. Don't quit. Get up and keep going. fifth on the list, which is fourth on the list up here, would be start off well. As is our typical custom on Christmas uh, evening, 
not Christmas Eve, but Christmas evening, uh, after the gifts had all been exchanged and after all of the food that we could have fit into our bodies was crammed into our bodies, um, it had been a long day and our custom has typically been for the last several years, per Imogene's request, to watch the Nativity Story. And so we popped the, the, the DVD in and we were watching the Nativity Story. If you haven't seen it, I'm telling you all to see it, even now. It's not too late. Still during Christmas season. Still got our Christmas tree up. The Nativity Story, amazing movie. But as the Magi are deciding who's going to go uh, to find this new babe that's being born as king of the Jews, they're trying to talk one of the gentlemen into it, and he's given all these excuses because he's counting the cost. He's not sure what he's going to decide to do yet. One of the things he asks, a very valid question is, what about the nice foods I'm accustomed to? We're going to be... And so they offer, we'll bring an extra camel if we need to. Start off well. When we're starting off, we, 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 we need to begin with the end in mind. Start off heading toward that end and head toward it relentlessly. Pace yourself, but keep steady. And it's always good. Anytime you begin a journey... To start the journey with a good meal. We are journeying toward the kingdom of God. And we have spread before us a good meal. Holy communion. The great thanksgiving. And we are invited to come and dine because we are being sent out on a journey. We're being sent out to reach an end, to pursue a destination, and to reach it well, it would do us well to start off well. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning.